Welcome to AuthorTube News, where two authors find the latest publishing news so you don't have to. I'm your co-host, Kara Brown. And I'm your co-host, Tamara Woods. So, this brings us to episode six. I'm not going to say I'm surprised that we got to episode six, but I am happy that we got to episode six. I, on one hand, I feel like this feels like episode one, but on the other hand, it feels like episode 100. So, it's an interesting way of uh, feeling, but I'm so excited that we're doing this. And I thank everyone who's listening. I appreciate you. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you for liking it. It means so much. Wow. Yeah, we have a good time doing this and finding stuff and listening to people's thoughts on the topics that we cover. And speaking of topics, let's go ahead and round these out. So we have a few things. We have a couple discussion points like talking about Grammarly. We're going to talk about, what is it, the best of list. We've got a little Twitter thing that you thought was going on. You've got a conversation about Black Twitter that I can't really comment on. Uh, And then I have a conversation about an author who thought it was funny to make fun of a group of people when they ended up putting yoke on their face in the process and then i think i'm gonna rant a bit about a book involving a minor and some shit going down with author tube so trying to trying to keep that fieriness towards the end so i don't deflate halfway through like that one time (laughs) (laughs) was that episode five i think four i think that was three i like i was super feisty when i came into that one i was so pissed And I was like, calm down, friend. No! <laughs> They're not here. You can't fight them. I want, I want to. No. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. I got water. I've got some dogs around me. I am calm. I am centered. I will try to not lose my shit. But I'm ready. Yeah. So what would you like to go ahead and hit first? All right. So do you, did you, when you were a kid, did you ever do choose your own adventure? Oh yeah. I had a whole bunch of those books. Like those books were so much fun. And I bet you, you guys are listening you played them too. But if not, let me give you the quick rundown. So choose your own adventure books were these books where you would literally get to read some stuff and then you would choose to do A, B, C, or D. And you choose a thing, flip to that page, and the story would play out as you would go along. And, you know, there was good choices and bad choices, good ends and bad ends. Sometimes you even died. It was a little dark when I think about it. But <laughs> when you think about it, a little dark, but so much fun. And I would always read through all of them. So the coolest thing happened this year. Um, Susan Denard, she is the author of um, The Truth Witch, which is such a good book, y'all. And uh, she writes fantasy. She started a, essentially a choose your own adventure, but it was on Twitter. And it was called hashtag the luminaries and i am a proud uh luminerd i am (laughs) i love it i love it it started in june and essentially she wrote out a prompt and people were able to choose one of the choices and they weren't all good choices we died i think twice oh my (laughs) yeah which was so awful oh my gosh heartbreaking and then she'd reset the story to like previous you know choices so we could choose the one that didn't lead to death and i think that we only had i think there was like three if i'm not mistaken there was three 
deaths. So like, if we would have gotten another death, this the story was going to be over. Oh my! So yeah, it was like a high stakes game all of a sudden, and we were working together. Um, there was plenty of nights where I would tweet and be like, "Okay, you guys, which one do I need to?" choose so that we could do a 50 50 or the best option or whatever because you know when you're doing a twitter poll um you only know what people have chosen after you make a choice right mm -hmm. so there would be times when people would make a screenshot and be like okay everyone needs to vote on this one <laughs> this is where the numbers are right now <laughs> and i loved this for a number of reasons one it gave Susan this great vehicle for interacting with her readers, right? Which was so smart. And also it gave us as readers a chance to interact with each other, which you don't always get. Because like myself, I don't do a lot of good read reviews. I used to do booktube, but I don't do that as much. So I don't interact with a lot of readers, but by doing this, we totally had that option. And the third thing that was really smart is that she was able to collect everyone who was interested emails for the newsletter that she will be posting about the book that this is has drawn from and like when it launches and things like that. So it became this fun interactive game, but it was also the smart marketing tool. Brilliant. Yeah, that's a that's really smart. I really like how she used Twitter that way because like it feels like anytime I hear the word Twitter, I'm just expecting like drama or bad news or people going off on each other. Like I don't really get to sit and hear like you know good things being you know Twitter being used for good and not as a weapon. Exactly. So that's why I wanted to talk about this one because it's the holiday season and we need some cheer. So the story ends with a happily ever after. BT dubs and yes. while we're recording it the last um the last tweets or the ending hasn't been tweeted out yet but once this is posted it will be and we'll have the link for the first one I would suggest that even if you know it's going to be over and everything if you haven't read it oh my gosh go through and check it out so good it is it's a it's a fun story <laughs> like it's a good story to read and i have to admit i'm hyped i want to read the full novel though she did say that the full novel is it is going to have some of the elements of this thread but it won't have everything which i think is even better that's a great that's just fantastic i love that she did that i do too so you guys twitter Yes, it can be a dumpster fire, but also it can be a great way to interact with your readers. <sighs> I wish I I wish I was savvy enough with Twitter to kind of use it that way cuz I know you use Twitter for a lot of different things. Like you've got your uh your one thing that you do weekly where you kind of like engage with uh your reading based at, right? It's more of other writers. It's hashtag right stuff happens every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Twitter. And um we have different topics of discussion and basically we talk about writing in some aspects and writer's life and things like that i want to start engaging more with readers for 2020 mm. so we'll see how that works out i doubt that i'm gonna do something like this because this was it's a pretty big undertaking honestly yeah that's extensive for sure yeah and you know i don't have the kind of following that she does that you know she has like a lot of people following her so i would hate to kind of do a thing like that and then no one would interact with me. Oh, <laughs> I would. Wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. 
Thanks, friend. You're welcome. Hashtag goals. All right, so that's that's a great story, though. I really like opening with that. Oh, if only we had more great stories like that. What, which, which one of these dumpster fires do you want to start with? <laughs> well, let's just start off a little easy. Okay, let's talk about Grammarly. Oh, okay. So I mentioned this to Tamara because I was at, I was actually on Twitter and I was just posting some BS tweet. Um, and then I saw that there was a smiley face in the corner. I was like, what the hell is that? And then I clicked on it and I saw that Grammarly was grading the tone of my writing. And I was like, well, maybe that's just a Twitter thing because maybe Twitter needs that. And then it's in my college work too because when I have discussion posts and I post it in there, it's like, you sound very formal and stern in your writing. And I was like, who the fuck are you? Yeah, it does it on Facebook. It does it everywhere. It is so weird, y'all. Have you guys noticed this? I, I, I don't understand the point of it. I, I guess my my beef with it is I don't like it because I know what my tone is when I write. So I'm like, I don't need you to tell me I sound like stern or forceful or anything like that. Like I know I'm there. I type the words myself. I know I sound like a bitch. Okay. I guess maybe the idea is that if you are someone who doesn't really understand how tone works in writing, then, you know, they're, they're trying to help you out, perhaps. But I have to wonder how many people are actually using this function to change what they're writing or saying. I guess my, my tinfoil hat, because I always like to bring it out every episode, my tinfoil hat is just when I'm is when my tone is being policed in a way like it's kind of like saying it's like well you're not being very nice in this tweet it's like oh no i better change this that way i sound nice i'm like you know that that's just me like i don't need you to tell me how to write my tone but i guess there are some individuals who do who might need to like see that but yeah i don't know i got mixed feelings i don't like it i don't need it to grade my tone because it gives you a star rating did you see that yeah yeah it gives you star rating for your three tones <laughs> Yeah, it's. I find it very weird and kind of intrusive, especially since Grammarly kind of keeps track of how much you write in a month. So with all the words that I'm writing, Grammarly, don't you see that I know how to write? I don't know. I I just I don't know. I don't. I'm not a fan of it. What do you guys think? What do you What do you think about this new feature that Grammarly is doing? Maybe Maybe I'm just having like tinfoil hat syndrome and I don't like my words being policed but maybe some people are finding it useful so let me know in the comments and you know tell me if I should take my hat off or not so yeah I want to know if anyone's actually finding it useful do any of you actually listen to what the smileys tell you please let us know because I know I don't <laughs> all right so that's two off what's the next dumpster fire actually that wasn't even really a dumpster fire so so let's just jump right in. All right. You want to do it? All right. I'm just going to sit here. Okay. So today we are going to discuss the N-word children. And I'm going to say the N-word because, um, you know, that's just what I'm going to do here. Um, so there was a bit of a kerfluffle, if you will, over on the Twitter. Speaking of uh, when Twitter can be a little bit rep weaponized. So there was this initial thread that was created by Alexandria House. She is the author of the Strickland's sister series, among others. And she had tweeted that words I love that give me one and two star reviews. Number one, the N-word with an A, of course. And then she had like three laughing emojis and a shrug. And from there, a conversation was sparked. Steph's romance 
book talks. She is a booktuber. She reads a, a lot of contemporary romance and she does a lot of reviews. And she she had commented, why do you need to use the word and why do you find it funny when people give it one to two star rating? It's an offensive word that should be eradicated from the English language. How do you find power in such a derogatory word? Legit want to know because I'm a reviewer to give one to two for use, one to two stars for use. And from there, the conversation kind of mm, fell apart a little bit. I reached out to Miss um, House to discuss her viewpoints of the conversation. But by the time we came here to record, she hadn't talked to, she hadn't reached back to me. So hopefully for the next podcast, we can do like a follow-up because I feel that this is going to sound a little one-sided because I only have Steph's viewpoints and I don't have Alexandria's. So with that being said, I thought this conversation was an interesting one because the N-word, I find it to be, it does have a conflicting view in the black community. There's some people who feel like this word can be used and be reclaimed and that it's fine. Kind of like some people have reclaimed fat and they call themselves fat. And then there's people who are like Steph who feel like the N-word is always negative and is has always has negative connotations and that you can't reclaim the word because it's just it shouldn't be claimed, period. In my follow-up question to her, I asked her if if the usage of the N-word does uh, get an automatic one or two star rating from her. And she said, no, that it doesn't. With that term, um, there's other authors that she's read who use the term that she has not automatically given one or two star ratings to, but she personally does not care for it. A lot of the pushback I saw were from other writers and readers who feel that part of the black conversation and black discourse should involve the n-word because it is used very liberally in the black community and therefore it makes sense for it to be used in the context of a black contemporary romance and as alexandria states in her twitter bio she unapologetically writes stories about hashtag black love and she feels like the n-word is part of be having an honest conversation about black love whereas steph feels that that is not the case and she said that she's come to the conclusion that it really has to do with our experience and exposure to different cultures i mean when i was growing up it only been 20 to 30 years after the beginning of the civil rights movement Back when people said that word, it has snapped your head back as a racial term. I would suggest that there probably is some merit to the idea that there is a difference in the use of the term based on a difference in generation. Because personally, and maybe even a difference in location, I don't, I'm not sure where Alexandria is from, but myself being from West Virginia, where the N word was more likely to be used with a hard R, and being more of Steph's generation, I do find that when I'm reading a book and the N-word with the A, it kind of takes me out of the story a little bit. I feel a little bit of discomfort, but that's because of me and my story and my background. Reviewers have the right to say what they want about a book. Even if I personally wouldn't give something a one or two star review because it used the N word, because I was, if I, if I was or wasn't uncomfortable with the use of that word, not for me to say that one 
a reader sh should or shouldn't have those feelings or two, that an author shouldn't use the words that they want to. I just think that it's important to be aware of your verbiage and how it could potentially affect your reader because the black community isn't a monolith and there's different people who are different spectrums and I think it's important to be aware of that. But do you write your story, write your review, talk about things that you need to talk about in the way that you, is true and authentic to you. But I think it's an important conversation to have. You still there, friend? Oh yeah, I'm here. I just, you know, it's just one of those conversations where I'm kind of like, I'm going to quote an ex-girlfriend that I used to have where it's like, you can have a thought on the matter, but the moment you open your mouth, you're wrong no matter what you say. So it's just kind of like, it's just one of those topics where it's like, I as who I am don't really, but I don't come from that background. I'm not immersed in that background. I don't have strong ties to it. So it's not really a place for me to say neither here nor there on it. Basically, this was a conversation by black women. I'm a black woman. Kara doesn't feel comfortable saying anything because she ain't black. Yeah, that's pretty much that. <laughs> Let's just put it on the table. And that's fine. Just in case people didn't know, I am blackity black black. So <laughs> that's why I felt comfortable talking about this. And I'm not going to shy away from having discussions about race because it's a thing. It exists and we should be able to talk about it. Oh, one thing that I felt really uncomfortable about in this conversation, that the people who were who were more for the author seemed to feel like Steph's viewpoint was more about her giving more importance to um, white people's views of the N-word and was like, they felt like she was centering the conversation around white people as opposed to black people oh, and oh. yeah and i didn't i didn't get that from just reading through the different threads but maybe i missed something because the there were threads that popped up all over the place about this so maybe i missed something but i didn't get that vibe but again i'm not all seeing and all knowing but i didn't get that feeling all right so let's move on your turn my tag your it <laughs> oh my god okay so we can either talk about the recent author tube thing that's going on or we can talk about the book involving a minor let's go with the minor let's go with the minor okay so the other day because i do on most days actually have my head in the sand when i'm in the middle of like finals like last week um, and so Tamara, like, had tapped me. She's like, hey, did you hear about this book involving a 15-year-old gymnast? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, the gymnast is 15 and the love interest is 32. And I was like, stop the fucking press. No. <laughs> uh, why? So she told me about it, but I couldn't find anything about it. And if there's a book about romance and you can't find anything about it, what do you do? You go ask other romance people. So I'm going to give a little tiny shout-out to Heaving Bosom Podcast Cult because I went to them. And I was like... Hey, I'm doing this thing, and I'm trying to find information. I can't find Jack on it. And they were like, we have receipts. And next thing you know, receipts are falling from the sky about this book. And good lord. <laughs> good lord. Um, so, Too Long Didn't Read. It's a book called Balance, and it basically caused a lot of ripples uh, because of how the romance was centered. And uh, interesting fact is that it was self-published on Amazon, but it's been removed because obviously it violates Amazon's TOS. I'm just surprised it took that long for Amazon to take it down. Um, and a lot of people have something to say about this book, and I was kind of perusing the the reviews for this book, and the, it is very it is very seesaw because like people either love this book, they're like this is the best thing ever, or they're like what the fuck is this? You know, there's like there's really no middle ground for this. You know, it's it's a very strong reaction for this book one way or another. 
Um, and I tried to go check out the author on her Twitter. She made that thing private, which I'm not surprised. It was an absolute dumpster fire, y'all. Trash can on fire. And what was weird when you look up the book and you start reading through these threads, there was a lot of people who seemed to have avatars that had um, just been created. Their Twitter profiles had just been created. That was one thing. And another thing was that it was very much attacking people. Someone was doxxed because they spoke out against the book. Like, it got messy, y'all. Oh my god, really? I missed yeah. that. Shit. Because there yeah. was there was a thread that somebody from the the cult linked me, and I was reading that, and I was like, "Damn, this thing's getting hot and heavy." Like, not in a sexy way, but kind of like, "Ooh." Um, I went to go back and find that thread. It's been deleted. I'm like, "God damn it!" <laughs> oh yeah, everything has been deleted. Like, people have been deleting stuff left and right. And let's not forget the best part, best in quotations, it was picked up by. Oh, a publisher. did you confirm that? Did you? Oh, that's terrible. Who yeah, is this per who are you? Who picked up this book? Identify yourself. <laughs> I'm so freaking baffled that somebody picked this book up. I mean, it's like like I, I was going through the comments and like so some people took like mini screenshots of some of the passages and I know I'm looking at them out of context, but it's still like I guess maybe it's because I used to be a teacher. So anytime I think about somebody in an instructional role and their student and having a relationship, it gives me like serious heebie-jeebies and it like makes me actually feel nauseous. Um, and I, I really, I just really hate it. And there's something about writing about a, a person who's at that age. I mean, for me, it's very predatory because that person is going to be trusting the instructor. They're going to be looking to them for guidance. They're going to be listening to them and doing whatever they ask. So. I, and again, I haven't read the book, and I ain't gonna read the book because that's not my my jam. But ugh, ugh. Adriana Rossi is no stranger to the rigorous demands required of her body. Years of pain and determination make her one of the best. Olympic glory is the ultimate goal, and she'll do anything to achieve it, even if that means leaving home to attend World Cup Academy of Gymnastics, a training center that serves one purpose, producing champions. Perfection, precision, and dedication are required of his athletes. When two-time Olympian Konstantin Korinkova is persuaded into training the young hopeful, he immediately regrets it. She doesn't come close to his high standards, as the relentless pursuit of her dream keeps her striving a passion is ignited within him Koba's power and domination coupled with adriana's fierce tenacity reveal there is more for her body to learn every interaction can be misconstrued but there's no mistaking the darkening of his gaze the lingering of his touch or the illicit image of his bare skin pressed against hers integrity is on the line one toe off the beam and their forbidden desires could ruin everything they've worked for throwing it off balance i am disgusted I'm, and here's why i'm so happy you can't see my face right now lucy lucia franco are you absolutely mad are you tone deaf do you not remember when wasn't it just last summer when all of these poor young ladies were coming out that their coach had been sexually assaulting them and you take that situation and make it into a quote-unquote romance i am disgusted i'm supposed to get worked up here not you <laughs> oh it makes me so mad 
I was sitting drink of water. I was sitting here doing some fact checking because obviously the the female protagonist is 15. I was like, can you be a 15 and go to the Olympics? And you can only do that if you're like turning 16 the year that you compete. So I'm like sitting here fact checking this shit. Now, yeah, oh. and I, this book has actually been out for two years. It came out in 2016, so it came out right before all of that happened. And I think that that would have been a great time to just go and do like a quick like edit change to make the hero like 18 and not. 15 but uh, the whole forbidden romance thing but they have it categorized as contemporary sports taboo and women's fiction whereas when it was on um kindle it was under romance so at least that has been changed but i'm still very uncomfortable with this whole premise it's i i hope that whoever this publisher is takes the time to actually go in there like I don't want to say fix it because that sounds really crass. Um, I I think that there definitely needs to be a discussion about the material itself and um, how they want to handle it going forward because, like I said, those reviews for this book, they're hot or they're cold, or rather they're hot or they're setting it on fire. Like, there's no in-between. From what I understand, and this was something that I read in one of the many threads that I've been reading, that this particular company was made in response to remember when Amazon was like cracking down on erotica. They still are. Yeah. So this, this company was made in response to that. Oh, that's terrible. From what I, from what I understand, you know, we'll, we'll say that this put it in quotes. I don't have any confirmation from anyone official from uh, Eden books, but let's, okay. You know what? Next, how about after new year's? I just, take some time to go snoop into this company and then we can just do a revisit on this because I'm sure by then we're going to find out more about this book and what direction it's going in because I'm definitely going to be watching this book not because I want to read it but because I just I'm, I'm not okay with it on a on a moral level mm, so many feelings none of them's coming out of my face but <laughs> I have so many feelings oh my gosh for someone to be sexually involved with a person who's a half their age is underage and is also part of their like this the power dynamics off right absolutely and, and it's not like a a sexy bdsm type of power dynamic it's her working her tail off to get a position on you know to go to the olympics it's her big dream oh my goodness and i'm really surprised at how many people absolutely came to bat for this book and were like angrily defending it in a way that kind of um toxic i must say it's if i hear someone else say something about somebody's crusty no 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 we're not going there no no it was real gross y'all it was real it was very uncomfortable oh my god well talking about romance let's uh let's digress to a different topic that's not gonna have me foaming at the mouth whoops <laughs> I, i've been trying to find things that are good news guys but sometimes like stuff comes out and it's like i want to talk about it but i want to talk about it for a lot of different reasons um you know what let me talk about uh meredith russo real quick and then we can jump to one of your topics how does that sound just kind of rip that sounds, band-aid off sounds great i'll probably be more quiet for this one so yeah. Um, so Meredith Russo is a author who transitioned, and they wrote a book, and they got a reward or got an award for it, and everybody was praising this because you know representation in authortum, and um, and this kind of blew up 
in a bad way because Meredith decided to kind of run their mouth on Twitter a little bit. Twitter keeps coming up. I guess this is the Twitter episode. Um, <laughs> they ran their mouth a little bit on Twitter about how dumb uh, straight straight women are, or rather, no, I think the, the verbiage they use is how dumb cis women are when it comes to, like, you know, keeping, like, their douchebag boyfriends around, and they were using, like, a whole bunch of examples about, like, you know, how trans respond to those situations, and I had seen the tweets, and I had raised an eyebrow at it, because, um, as somebody who does talk to the rainbow community a little bit, I know that they go through similar, if not worse, scenarios, so for Meredith to, like, start making those tweets, I was like, okay, sis, whatever makes you happy there. Um, but... Uh, the internet has this fun way of being like, oh yeah, that's what you think? Well, let's flip it on you. And some people did some research on Meredith. And so everything that Meredith was saying and mocking cis women for, they, before they transitioned, were doing to their wife. And there's public record about it. Ooh. Yeah, so all the all the abusive stuff, all the negative talk, everything, there's a record for it. It's gone to court. Meredith actually owes several ch- uh, years of child support to their spouse. Um, but when they, whenever you hear them on Twitter, they're always talking about how they're not allowed to see their children because XYZ reasons. But they haven't paid child support in, like, years. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it's insane. Uh- Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a it's a big bag of cats and I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. Some of them I probably am not going to say, but like my my thing is that I'm going to take the words from somebody else and that you can't tell somebody that their house is dirty if yours is a trash heap. So, like, you know, get your shit in order before you start going and making fun of everybody. Now, I'm pretty confident that if Meredith had taken the time to actually, like, you know, start working with her ex-spouse, maybe working at arrangements for child support and all this other stuff, this probably would not be the issue that it is. But there is literally, and I say again, a public record of the evidence of Meredith's abusive verbiage towards their spouse that was totally unwarranted. It was even testified in court and a number of other things, like... it's really bad and what makes me sad is that this person was kind of like put on a podium because they're they're trans they got a book out it was award-winning and this was supposed to be somebody that was going to go ahead and represent the community so there was much rejoicing for everybody and now this is coming out and people are having mixed feelings and this is really not the time for situations like this to happen oh my gosh oh my gosh i don't even how do you first uh, why why even make those kind of statements why even tweet those things when you know what a dirtbag you've been in your past do you not know how twitter works do you not know how the internet works the internet forgets nothing <laughs> it literally forgets like, seriously. nothing oh like, like seriously the receipts stay even if you delete them somebody will find them like earlier i said i couldn't find that twitter thread because it had been deleted but i know somebody out there went and like screenshotted it if i talk to them they'll send it to me like nothing nothing is hidden nothing remains out of reach um and again i I go back to public record and i think that's something that a lot of people actually overlook because public record like i said it's public like if somebody wants to go look up some shit on you they don't have to dig around your twitter feed they literally just have to go to the county courthouse of you know online and and find everything there yep that's how it works yeah 
That's actually wow. how a lot of PIs work because there's so much information that's available. You know, they just have to call the right agencies to get it. Like that's it. The short of that is don't tell people their shit stinks when yours is just as bad. So that's. Whoa, am I the one who's going to be going off this episode? No, I know. Cause this last one I've got is going to piss me off royally. <laughs> Zoinks. All right. Well, <laughs> let's see what, where are we headed? Oh, here, here's something. Here's something that's uh not worst thing ever <laughs> so the Washington Post is now publishing the ABA in the bestseller list so ABA stands for the American Booksellers Association and starting this week the Washington Post will be posting it on the website in the Outlook section of the Sunday printed edition of the paper oh yeah, so they'll alternate weekly between the indie bestseller hardcover list and the paperback list. And so, which is pretty amazing because like right now we are in that time of season where it's favorites list, best-selling list of the year, this, that, and the other. And a lot of times it's harder for indies to get recognized on those lists just because that's kind of the way the system is set up, right? Mm-hmm. Like. So for like with um, the USA Today bestselling list, I can't remember how many units you have to have sold in that week, but I mean, it's a substantial number. So I thought that was some interesting news. What do you think about bestselling lists, Harold? Do you like them or favorites listed to end the year? Um, you know, I got some mixed thoughts. Before I dive into that, um, I do, I am actually going to throw a link in the video, uh, cause it is in December. So that's when a lot of people are doing the readathons for indie books that's being hosted by, uh, Kitten Chronicles. So I'm just going to throw that down below so that we, you know, cause I love to support other indie authors in some shape or form. So, and now back to your question. Um, you know, I got mixed thoughts on, on top tens because for me obviously there's a bias um that's involved with it like so somebody's top 10 may not be my top 10 for xyz reasons like uh well i usually see those ones on youtube i kind of like them because they're a nice starting point for me and sometimes if somebody says that a book is a number one i'm gonna go look at the book and then i might look at the other books that people buy after buying that book and some other things so it's a nice way to kind of expand what I'm looking at is useful for that, but I'm always I always treat the uh, the top tens with a little skepticism. I tend to like for myself. I don't create a favorites list or top ten list. I don't like to do that. I have a hard time deciding what my favorite of anything is, like favorite food, favorite color, whatever. I really hate those questions and I rarely answer them. So for me, when I see a favorites list, I or like best of the year list, I kind of, I'm more likely to look just to see if I've read or watched or whatever the thing, but it doesn't really necessarily lead me to something that I'm going to consume. But what do you guys think? Do you love end of the year lists, top 10 best selling lists? What do you think about them? Let us know. Interested yeah. in your thoughts. Yeah, we love your guys' thoughts. Feel free to say something. Uh, let's see. So that leaves uh, the last topic that I want to talk about. So, all right, guys, pull up your chairs, grab your dolls. It's Kara story time. Buckle up. I know, right? Okay, so the other day, Tamara came to me and she's like, hey, there's another person trying to do a scam on AuthorTube. And my response, unfortunately, was it must be a day that ends in Y. Because this happens so goddamn often where people are trying to come out and 
do something to try and get writer to get writers money and it's pissing me off and let me tell y'all why it's pissing me off we don't make enough money we're broke okay <laughs> we're all broke and when we do make money it's not stable money which is partly why we see individuals like this going and doing classes and paywalls and seminars and all the other stuff like don't get me wrong I, I see what y'all trying to do I see you trying to make a life for yourself and I respect that what I don't respect is when individuals are coming out who are not qualified say that again who are not qualified they do not have the experience they do not have the background to teach these classes at the price that they are setting all right listen to my words listen to me very carefully this shit needs to stop because at this point you are no longer an author tuber you have become a thought and if you are wondering what thought stands for that is an acronym for that hoe over there all right these author tube thoughts need to stop they need to do a reality check. They need to find a different way to make money because this is moving into a predatory situation where at one point I'm just going to start losing my shit on people everywhere. It's driving me nuts. The recent situation that is really pissing me off has to do with somebody that is charging $300 for a, a special program thing that they're doing where they get 30 minute Skype calls for, for what is it, like a, a couple thousand word word critique. And I was like, who the fuck are you? All right, that was my first question. I go to this person's website, I check out their credentials. They have credentials there, thank God, but these credentials are vague as fuck. Like one of the things is like, I have five years work experience. I'm like, five years work experience doing what? Editing, working at McDonald's? What the fuck is your work experience? That doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah, and then they have like college diploma. I'm like, college diploma in what? Do you have an associate's? Do you have a bachelor's? Do you have a master's? Say what you have, do not try to fool me. It does not work. Is it in fine arts? Is it in creative writing? Is it in journalism? Is it in uh, legal nursing? clerk? She's got <laughs> she has a college diploma as a legal clerk. That I'm like that literally does not actually support your your thing that you're trying to do at all. Like I I have mixed feelings. Okay, I think that writing coach like it's not a thing for me. I don't particularly want a writing coach, but I can understand people who do that they've kind of feel like they need their hand held they need more support than from their general community maybe they don't have a community or they their editor isn't there to like guide them through or their agent or what have you fine um my issue is when people who are are charging an exorbitant fee when they don't have those credentials and they don't have the experience to back it up, they don't have the the book sales to show that they really have an audience that they are able to access. And they also are are just um, tapping into like their author tube community because and this, this is why I feel uncomfortable with that. YouTube as a platform is one where we kind of get to talk to people and they become our friends in a sense. So they feel closer to us. They feel like they can connect to us. They feel like they can trust us. So because of this, this trusting kind of nature, it can feel a little bit predatory to create these paywalls that have a larger fee attached to them and you don't have those credentials to back it up. I think that if you want to be a writing coach or whatever you want to do, that's fine. And honestly, I can't dictate people's 
pay or whatever or what they charge, you know, that's on you. But I would just caution our listeners to pay attention to those credentials. Uh, Don't be afraid to ask for someone's, like for instance, if someone's gonna be doing a critique, don't be afraid to ask for a sample, just like you would with an editor. Look out for yourselves because not everybody who smiles on your screen is your friend and they're not really, they don't necessarily have your best interests at heart. You have to have your own best interests and do your own due diligence. And I just wanna, I just wanna say again, I understand the need that people are trying to find some way to make additional income because if you don't know anything if you don't know this about publishing, like your income as an author is not stable. It's it's never going to be stable. You're going to buy Lamborghinis one month and you're going to be living off ramen noodles the other. So you have to take that into account with whatever you're doing. But unless you have got like a mega bestseller or something else, or you've got a lot of statistics to show why you are qualified to talk about or teach or do anything, just don't. Just don't. Like really don't. <laughs> like I can't even... Uh, I could probably rant about this for a little while. So, but at the same time, if you guys are looking at somebody and you're like, I would like to give this person $300 of my money because they seem trustworthy. Hey, you know what, boo, you do you. Uh, th- this is my two cents. So let's go to something a little bit happier. Happy, Wait. happy, happy. All right. Um, I do have one happy article. We saved it for last because we knew that we had some dumpster fire articles to go through. And I wanted to talk about how romance is a billion dollar industry. So this isn't new when it comes to the industry, but everybody knows that puppy and sex sales. So if you have something cute and you got something sexy, you pretty much have a bestseller. Hopefully you've got some plot and some engaging dialogue in that. But what's really interesting is that a lot of people are obviously looking at like the sales and the numbers and all this other stuff when it comes to the different genres. And they, a lot of people are like, I'm using air quotes, baffled at how well romance is doing. Like I said, it's a billion dollar industry. It sells a fuck ton of books. But what's really interesting is that even though romance sells so many books and it's got so many devout followers, like I don't think you will ever find a more devout fan base than people who follow romance. I, I really don't think you will. Like the passion and the love and the the intensity that is seen in these books is just like it's it's at a level I nobody I think can really match, honestly. Um but at the same time, these books are kind of treated like, I'm using air quotes, like trash, and people are talking about it still. But, like, I, this has been a conversation that's been going on since, like, the 80s. And it's such an outdated way of thinking. And I thought maybe we could talk about that a little bit, Tamara, about, like, the the overall view of romance and how maybe it's changing right now. Romance, um, like, in the 80s, there was Love Swept, there was Silhouette, there was the Harlequin. Uh, there was Avon books, or, and there was so many others. Like romances have been growing. The thing, the interesting thing about romance readers to me is that they're so voracious. They love a good series, and they will read through those books so quickly. And I think one of the reasons that people who make these, you know, really good romances are able to have a, an income and and a platform is because they'll write these series and you know newer authors a lot of times they're utilizing um kindle unlimited so that they can kind of pr- pump them out quicker and if someone has that kindle unlimited s- subscription then they're able to chow down on those books fairly quickly because i mean the the romance reader is looking for a happily ever after or at least happily uh what is it happily for now 
HFN. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. They want a happy or a temporary happy. Yeah. And I, personally, I love romance. And I've always thought that the reason that romances have been kind of poo pooed upon is because it's considered more of a quote unquote feminine genre. Oh, I have so many thoughts on that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, and the majority of people who read romances are women. That's just that's just how it is. That I don't make up these stats. No, that's yeah. just what happens. It's kind of it's kind of weird that they're talked about that way. Um, and I I've seen it every now and then because like so like obviously I've got my two pen names right now. And so when I introduce people and I'm like, yeah, I'm an author, and they're like, oh, do you write steamy or not steamy? It's like, well, I write both. It's like, well, which one makes you more money? It's like the steamy obviously makes me more money. Like, let's be real here. <laughs> That's interesting that they ask you, do you write steamy or not steamy? Oh, it was, because it, it's just a, I don't want to be like, it's an older crowd that I hang out with, but it's like, it's a different kind of uh, demographic out here. So like, they, they, like the younger people are like a lot more in my face about it. Like, so do you write about sex? And it's kind of like, uh, sometimes like it happens. <laughs> <laughs> they do that occasionally, you know, they do what they want. They're like a lot of my reading was with romances because my mom is a huge romance reader and I would read what was in the house. So I was reading romances and I loved them. And I think that a lot of people still don't really understand that romance as a genre has a lot of subgenres to it. It could be as intricate and interesting as like a fantasy or a sci-fi it just also has a heavy romance storyline to it the only reason my bookshelf isn't actually full of romance novels is because there's too many my kindle is absolutely full of romance novels like they're just like it's just brimming with them i just finished doing my statistics class for psychology and i was like i wonder what kind of sample experiment would look like if women just didn't buy romance novels for like a whole month like how would that rock the industry just for a whole month that it would it would shake it to its timbers <laughs> it's, it really irritates me that romance readers aren't given and romances in general aren't given the respect that they deserve because i for one think that it's a it's a really diverse uh genre that you know i feel like romances are the places where you start to see different um ethnicities more and different uh sexual orientations and and people with different uh disabilities being represented represented oh my gosh if words could come out of my face anyway i, th I feel like romance a lot of times is the launching point for these different avenues to be explored and for people to be able to see themselves represented but maybe that's just me because that's where a lot of a lot of my time is spent i'm over here in romance and reading cozies so maybe i'm wrong i want to hear what you guys have to say let us know in the comments what do you think about romances what do you think about romance being a billion dollar industry let yeah. us know we gotta know we gotta know the things <laughs> tell us the things all right so <laughs> all right so that brings us to the end of the segment where we get to talk about book releases that are coming out 
We have one book uh, that is coming out, it looks like, on the 21st. It is written by Jasmine Alexia, and it is called Victims of the End. It is a horror novel, and it is going to be available on Amazon. And the tagline is, a death a, death a day keeps Noah awake. That sounds really interesting. Hmm. So we'll have the link to that in the description if you guys want to check it out. Uh, you guys, this has been a great journey. This has been a great experience. I absolutely love this podcast. You know, just so you are aware, this is a passion project for us. And we're doing it because we love talking to you guys about these different topics and discussing things that are happening in the publishing world. And I am, I, I want to say, Caro, I really appreciate you joining me on this journey because I had this idea for a while, but I didn't want to do it alone. And when you said that you wanted to do it too, it like angels sang, there was rainbows, <laughs> like a freaking dolphin jumped up, sprayed <laughs> water. Like, I mean, stuff happened in my heart. So thank you for joining me. You, everyone who's listening, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. We are going to go on a bit of a hiatus for the rest of the year. Because it's December. And we need time. <laughs> we need time. I'm going to be but, out of town, so yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to be like trying to get everything <laughs> done for the end of the year. So, you know, rest in peace me. But... You know, we're still going to have our Twitter available. We'll still have our email. All those links are in the description. If you find things that you want us to talk about, let us know. If you know of people who would be interested in listening to us jibber-jabber, you know, share that stuff. Because it's the holidays. And, you know, we're the gift that keeps on giving. Yep. (laughs) That's so sweet. You said that so well. I can't top that. The only thing I can say is that we're going to be on break until January 8th, which is when we're going to come back and have recovered, hopefully, from our holiday stint. So, And also, we don't have any books to talk about from 2020 from you amazing authors. I know y'all are dropping books. I know it's going to be happening. So that link in the description, add your books so that we can talk about you. Even if, we love you. even if it's six months from now, put it in there so that way we can make sure that we have it set out to talk about. Please. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. that brings us to the end of the podcast. I'm going to go ahead and thank you all for coming and hanging out with us. Please, again, feel free to leave some comments down below. We'd absolutely love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and hit the uh, stop recording button, and I'm going to start waving at the screen, and you can't see me, but that's totally fine. She's not waving. It's uh, a fib. Oh, I'm waving. Please love me. Love us. Love us. Oh.